It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. Dry your tears. It was not a red tsunami. It was more of a pink puddle. What happened with last night's midterms? There's only one person I want to talk to about this. He brought us the truth, whether it was good, bad, indifferent, whatever the flavor. Brett Baer was there at the helm on the Fox News channel, and I watched as much of it as I could when I got home from smoking cigars with the fellas Brett Baer, welcome back to Kennedy Saves the World. <laughs> hey, Kennedy, how are you? But I will say this. You were on in Club Macanudo. Nice. Sound wasn't on, That's but we could, we could see what was happening. I got home as quickly as I could. And, you know, a lot of people, I was following Twitter and hashtags and all, all that stuff during the day. And a lot of Republicans were like, come and get it. It's going to hurt real bad. You're going to cry for your mom. And then, you know, I'm watching the results come in. I was like, this is very interesting because a lot of these races ran counter to what the polling was telling us just days and even weeks before last night. So in your estimation, what is the biggest takeaway and what happened? Well, I think the biggest takeaway is, one, the only place that there was a red wave was in Florida. And uh, that actually held true to uh, a really solid win for Governor DeSantis and for Senator Rubio and for House races. It's the first time since Reconstruction that uh, Florida hasn't had a Democrat in statewide office. And um, Florida looks more like Arkansas than it looks like Florida of old. Um, so that's the bright spot in the uh, GOP uh Looking at it, also New York, where Lee Zeldin closes, you know, gets close, comes up short. But with his, you know, effort, I think he brought with him uh, some New York seats, uh, congressional seats, and that could be the difference in in um, control of Congress around the country. I think that what we didn't fully appreciate, and by the way, our last polls. Uh, we're pretty, pretty close. Uh, we had all of these Senate races very, very tight, and it's turning out to be pretty much right at that number uh, in our final kind of final look at the polls. But across the country, we didn't appreciate uh, the close for the threat to democracy and how perhaps that brought up, um, you know, without saying it, uh, the former president uh, who came out the weekend before uh, the election and, um, you know, gave a speech and hinted that he was running again, even though he didn't say it. We can't tell specifically whether that fired up Democrats, but the close of them on the stump, uh, former President Obama, President Biden, others doing the road shows with threat to democracy, uh, moved the needle. And abortion was a bigger issue on the list of things uh, than we thought it was going to be this late in the game, overtaking at least crime. Inflation was still number one. So uh, it changed the dynamic in some of these races. And I think some polls were way off. Uh, and as I said, we, we had it in between a 15 and 20 pickup. It looks like it's going to be 
you know, shy of 10. And that's um, going to be, you know, barely getting control at like 218, 219. Yes, that's that's interesting. And, and so that is where, you know, the power of the wave was supposed to crash first. And that was in the House. And that's where Republicans were, you know, supposed to make this huge pickup. And, and you could see some of these races, you know, either being incredibly tight and not being called. Uh, Derek Van Orden, who is a former Navy SEAL senior chief who's on my show a lot. I was watching his race uh, pretty closely last night. And, you know, we didn't call it because it was very tight. Uh, I believe he has since been declared the winner. But, you know, that was one of those ones where even the Cook Report had that likely Republican. And they they had moved it from, you know, toss up to lean to likely. And even with that, he didn't have the kind of momentum that people were anticipating. And I saw, you know, a, a lot of the polling and even RCP had Herschel Walker winning comfortably. And now it looks like that race is going to a runoff, which brings me to some of these Trump candidates, because Ron DeSantis had the night of his life last night. You know, and, and this this is one of those states where people said what they've done all along throughout the pandemic was right. They looked out for us. We are happy with it. We are happy with our representation and we are going to vote that way. There were a lot of other parts of the country where Voters said, just because you're not them, that's not enough reason for us to vote for you. And they just assumed that because Democrats had been having a hard time on crime, inflation and the economy, that that was enough with their, you know, quote unquote, discipline messaging. But what does it say about some of the Trump backed candidates? It says that they were weak candidates. Uh, It says that, um, you know, uh, Mehmet Oz um, should have done better. I think, you know, they he came close, but he had a tough primary uh, where Dave McCormick, th- there was a lot of negativity in the primary. Uh, so it was a slow start. Um, and, you know, that debate was one debate. It was late. It was October 25th. People started voting in early September. Um you know, does it make a difference if that debate is September 25th? Uh, if they have three debates, I don't know. But uh, I close in Pennsylvania, and that was a big, big loss. Um, you know, Ohio was closer than we thought it was going to be. You know, we had to wait a little while to call J.D. Vance. He did pull it out. But Tim Ryan was a strong candidate for Democrats. Um, Don Bolduck came on strong late. Uh, and made it close, but he was not, you know, anywhere near what uh, Governor Sununu was, who won by essentially 20 points in the same state. You know, that gives you a sense of, of you know, ticket splitting. And that's happening in Georgia, where uh, Governor Kemp had a bigger lead on Stacey Abrams than than uh, Walker you know, he's he's trailing, actually, but he's going to go to a run, runoff December 6th. I think, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see if Arizona, you know, with these final votes for Blake Masters and Nevada, Laxalt is up, but they've got final votes coming from Clark County and, um, you know, the Vegas area. And so we could potentially have a split there and control of the Senate December 6th again in Georgia. Yeah, that's that's um, that's unreal that that's what it boils down to once again, but is is there something 
heartening about split tickets? Is there something good about voters paying such close attention to candidates and issues that they're not voting blindly? Yes, it it means that they are discerning uh, what they like. Uh, and it's not that it's just pure party. Uh, and, you know, I think Republicans would like the pure party uh, to have happened last night. But I, I think that they are thinking about, you know, candidates and how they make their pitch. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell said early in this this race, candidates matter. Uh, and they do. So important part of this this whole deal. Now, I'm not going to tell you that the dynamic is is all, you know, on the former president. He just did put his his hand on the scale as in a couple of these primaries. Uh, and it did affect things. And he also has made his presence known uh, in the final days of this campaign, suggesting he was going to even declare for presidency during the final days. And that factors in to people when they're thinking about it. He drives a lot of people uh, to the polls, the Republicans, fires up the base, but he actually fires up the Democratic base more than he fires up the Republican base. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. All right, we got more of this interview after this. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. You know, when when I heard the rumor that uh, he was going to announce he's running again at the J.D. Vance rally in Ohio on Monday, I was like, you know, that's a horrible idea. You know, let all and then giving DeSantis you know, a, a nickname over the weekend. And and I looked at that and I was like, if you're trying to win and if you want the party to win, that's really unnecessary. Um, and some of the hyperbolic candidates like Carrie Lake, um, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of hers. I'm not. I, I don't think that, that she has other people's interests ahead of her as a good public servant should. Um, I think that she's incredibly hyperbolic and narcissistic and, you know, she's she's one of those people who just thought that she would do an impression of Trump in a dress and uh, would appeal to enough people that she was just going to cream Katie Hobbs, who is also not a good candidate. I, I feel bad for the people of Arizona that those are the choices that they were stuck with. But, you know, going back to Mitch McConnell's point, it does come down to who the party gets behind and who runs. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's not an anointing from a former president who, by the way, and, you know, this is a much bigger issue than people are talking about right now. I brought it up on my show Monday night. Trump will be a one term president. That's it. That's all he gets. And, you know, he, he's got some of the deficits that Joe Biden already has baked in, namely his age. Um, but he's he cannot. There's no possibility of him being a two term president, which any party should want that. And want that to be the future. And that's what you get in someone like Ron DeSantis, who had a 20 point victory last night. Yeah. And I think you're going to see the party start to kind of rally that way. At least that's the early indications. But this is not a done deal. I think, you know, remember, you're dealing with Donald Trump here. So um, he's, you know, I don't know if he's going to pull the trigger on. November 15th, I don't know if he's going to definitively get in. But I do know that his 
actions and words in recent days have, in Republican circles, even supporters of his, uh, have roiled them and have made them upset. We should point back to Arizona that uh, Carrie Lake could pull that out and uh, Blake Masters could pull that out. Uh, Katie Hobbs was a horrible candidate, didn't agree to a debate, not one single one. Uh, but Carrie Lake is, to your point, pretty hyperbolic. She said the other day that I will be your worst nightmare to the reporters, and she likes going back and forth. She's a former reporter. And she said, we're not only going to reform uh, elections and government, we are going to reform the media. Well, you know, that's interesting because um, the free press is kind of part of the deal. So I, I uh, she says some things to get attention. Um, but there's a lot of people in the Republican circles who like her fiery style, and um, that's where the popularity has come. And she actually may pull it out. Uh, yes, she does. She does have a fiery style. She does not have substance. And, you know, that's that's my problem. And, and I look at that and I am not a member of the Libertarian Party. I am a philosophical libertarian. I tend to vote libertarian. Uh, I will vote for limited government Republicans. But I, I look at people like that and, you know, I think I, that's not someone I want representing me. Like, I want limited government and I don't mind smaller personalities. I'm fine with that. I would love Calvin Coolidge. I would absolutely love for Silent Cal, you know, re-embodied in some elected official who actually had the power to curtail his or her own power. That would be wonderful. That's yeah. that's not what I see in candidates like that. And I think, you know, when people are tired of political strife, it's exhausting. It breaks up families. People worry about their own personal safety if they express political views. They look at what happened with Steve Scalise and Paul Pelosi, and a lot of people are really done with that. And so when you, when you turn the temperature up so much in our political discourse— it is off-putting, and, and it's off-putting to the point where a lot of people will stay at home rather than participate in that. I totally agree with you, and I think that there is a pendulum that will swing. I thought it was interesting that Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin wrote a letter to House Speaker Pelosi to apologize uh, for a way he talked about the Paul Pelosi incident. Um, that would not happen in um, – you know, in, in certain circles, uh, I think that is an indication of, of you know, a want to bring the temperature down, and the the pendulum may swing a little bit that way, and there may be, uh, and you know, it's still possible, uh, Kennedy, that you have a Republican House and a Republican Senate. It's it's possible. Uh, it's less likely than it was going into yesterday, but uh, the Republican House looks more likely. Um, and, you know, you're going to have to do some deals if you want to get anything done. Well, maybe that's where our government should head. Maybe there should be coalitions that go issue by issue instead of just this exhausting party line. Um, I'm fine with divided government. They tend to spend less money and get less done. That's true. They've already done way too much. Uh, you know, I, I think the Senate is important for the last two years of this president's term. Uh, in terms of Supreme Court nominees and, you know, reshaping the court. And I think that philosophical conservatives have a right to take issue with that. But, you know, I, I would love to see more people run for office who are smart and rational and decent 
and who just want to get the hell out of the way. I don't think that's too much yeah. to ask. Um, so, you know, before you leave this podcast momentarily, not forever, um, <laughs> what do you think? What do you, What is the outcome? What are we going to be looking at next week? Well, I think next week is just the fallout. I will hear what the president says in reaction to it. If if there is a uh, message that he takes, I think, unfortunately, because of the red ripple, if you want to call it that, um, that the message will not be as strong, obviously, to Democrats, and they could take it differently. They could take it that um, they were doing the right things, that the losses they fought off, and, and that more of the same is what they need. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the message that the voters are sending. Um, and if it is, as expected, uh, House Speaker McCarthy um, and a, a narrow majority in the in the Senate, uh, that's a different ballgame. And it could be Joe Biden of, of old trying to negotiate with Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I think the other thing is, you know, we won't know the answer to the Senate probably if it is a split in Nevada and Arizona until December 6th. And so there we go again. You know, last time we were down in Georgia, there were two Senate races, both of them running at the same time in a runoff. And the former president, who was president at the time, um, went down there and, and arguably talked about his own election and changed the dynamic, according to many people in the Republican Party. Um, so what happens this time and does he fire up people to come out or does he fire up Democrats? Uh, I think the Trump factor becomes a big deal in that runoff as well. Yeah, that's a so great we'll point. I think that he should do a fun experiment and see if staying on the sidelines has any effect. That's <laughs> you think a, that's going to work? Yeah, yeah probably. You yeah, probably. Make that call? Yeah, knowing knowing <laughs> former President Trump, that's, that's probably going to work. Uh, so in in the former president's voice, what, what would he what would he say if I asked him that? If I said, Mr. President, please stay out of the Georgia runoff, what do you think he would say? That's a huge, huge problem for me. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Brett Bear as former President Trump. Uh, well done. Great talking to you. Thank you so much. Loved your analysis. Uh, keep it up. And we'll be watching everything to see uh, where the chips fall. Thank you, Brett Bear. All right. See you, Kenny. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.